You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K. F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Ken Jacobs. He is principal at Jacobs Consulting and Executive Coaching. We're going to talk to the world about business. We're going to talk to the world about executive performance, leadership, particularly kind of this economy and world we're in and uncertainty, particularly around PR, communications, advertising, marketing is Ken's particular area of focus. And there's a lot of flux happening in this world. A lot of companies that are trying to find their footing, trying to figure out their next step, their strategy. Ken has been working with many of these folks and has some really interesting insights and ideas and really kind of helping leaders navigate these somewhat trying times or at least turbulent times uh, and help them figure out where they're going to go and how they're going to get there and what they need to do to be successful. So excited for this conversation. Ken has been on the program before several years ago, and I'm excited to have him back and kind of get an update and hear what he's doing today. So with all that, Ken, welcome to the program. Thank you. It is so nice to be back. I appreciate it, Bruce. Thanks for coming back. Before we dig into everything that's going on today, give us a little update. What what has happened for you over the last couple of years? How have you kind of navigated things? What have you noticed in the industries? And then we'll kind of talk about what's going on today with uh, some of your clients and what you're seeing in this, uh, this particular part. Well, fortunately, you know, a lot of agencies, once they stumbled through 2020, 21 and 22 were very good years for many, many agencies and overall for the agency business, depending, of course, the category you were in. You know, in June of 2020, if your uh, client stable was brick and mortar retail and Lux travel, not a good space to be in in June of 2020. But for those in internal comms, for those in technology, for those in healthcare, gangbusters, gangbusters. So a lot of agencies have had really stellar years, but they, you know, we're definitely seeing a slowdown. And I would say my, my business often reflects what's going on in the agency world. Well, I wouldn't say I work exclusively with PR marketing comms and exclusively with agencies. It, it is mostly in that space and leaders from that space. So 21 and 22 were great for my clients. They were great for me. Q1 and Q2 of this year were great. We beat goal. I'm approaching the rest of the year with some caution because of what I'm hearing from clients. So we just have to be mindful you know, and a, and a lot of it is the layoffs on the tech side. And there were many of them starting Q2, maybe starting Q1 this year. Then the agencies that served those industries, they have been cutting back as well. In fact, early this year, a lot of agencies were reporting, we got approved for higher rates, but whereas we used to get annualized approval, now we only got approval for half the year. 
And now a lot of agencies, a lot of clients are only approving on a quarter by quarter basis. So I think that's a big change from 21 and 22. It is absolutely quarter by quarter. And there's, you know, there, there's, there's definitely a, I, I call it, you know, a feeling, an era of uncertainty. And I think, I think we've been in that era of uncertainty, you know, since the lockdown, since spring of 2020, then over the years, the uncertainty has changed. If you look at Russia, Ukraine, which obviously is ongoing, the uh, supply side issue, the supply side issues, I should say, inflation. So it's it's all been uncertain, and the and what's driving the uncertainty has changed. For a while, it wasn't as intense as spring and summer of twenty, but yeah, it's there again, which is understandable. I mean, do you feel this is this is really unique, or is this just like I mean, these you know industries go through cycles, economies go through cycles, right? Like things get tight, things get uncertain, things resolve. You have high points, you have low points. I mean, is is this just another cycle, or do you feel like this is fundamentally different than you know other economic cycles or other industry cycles that you've seen, particularly yeah. in this area? To me, it feels different. I mean, there have always been the ups, then the downs. There was you know the gung ho years, and then we know you know two thousand. 2001 were not good. Then there were some good times. Then we had 2008 and 9, and then things were really good for a while. I think things have been, again, this is just in this space, 21 and 22 were so great, so big, and it's a very big readjustment. And if you look at the tech industry, I mean, it could not continue that way. So yes, I think in a way it's a readjustment, but it's it's hard to remember, you know, how things, when things are that good, you, you, I think you do expect them to continue forever, even though history proves that's not the case. The readjustments are never fun. And I think because of the fear of inflation that we're seeing out there, I think there is concern, well, how long, if this, if it becomes a recession, how long will it last? How long will this downturn last? That, that's what I'm sensing. And do you feel, is that what's driving this kind of shorter approval timeframes? I mean, it seems like we're moving to these now 90-day approval cycles, and it's just because people don't want to lock themselves into situations oh, yeah. for too long because yeah. they want to be able to adjust every 90 days? They don't want to be overcommitted, so they're being very, very cautious. And I think, I mean, my God, they're not going month by month. You, I don't think you can do, you really can't do PR marketing month by month. But I think there's just a feeling of caution out there. Let's see what happens. I do wish that the marketers, so those are my clients' clients, I also wish they were would remember, and maybe they will remember, I hope they'll remember, and there's research behind it, those firms that, sure, they the marketing spigot a bit in 08 or 09, but they didn't shut it completely. They were very mindful about their cutbacks, but they kept it going to some degree and there's evidence that those companies rebounded in a much more robust way and much earlier than than other companies. I just hope that's remembered. And I guess, and why why did they rebound? I mean, just because they had they still had some things going, so that when things actually turned around, they could quickly uh, capitalize it and kind of hit hit the upside quickly, as opposed to having to rebuild things. Well, I I think it's partly that. I think also within 
let's say PR, I'm not as sure if this is true in marketing, but in PR, you know, you get a certain momentum, you get relationships going with media. Nowadays, you're getting it with, you know, influencers and what have you. And so when you lose that, there is often some ramp up time, right, to get on people's radars again, to rebuild what your brand is about, et cetera, et cetera. So by keeping the spigot open, as it were, by having at least some basic work out there, I think that allows for a, a quicker return. And we have the evidence of it. So I hope, you know, I think every marketer out there, and I understand, you know, there there is a concern, but Google, you know, Google something to the effect of marketing companies that got through the turndown of 2009, you know, and people who are smarter than me, you know, would probably know how to do that search <laughs> probably a little bit more effectively. But But if you do Google something like that, you will get some wisdom about, you know, how quickly they bounce back. Because if you think about it, right, it's not just about the economy is bad, consumer confidence is bad, let's slow it down. I think, you know, wise marketers and wise business people are thinking, yes, but we will come out of it. And how, how can I come out of it more quickly? How can I come out of it ahead of my competition, right? Not to focus just on it's down, oh my God, stop everything, but you know what's going to lead to my rebound. You know, so you, you got to you've got to look at it. You got to look at the short term play, the medium play, and the long term play. I think. Yeah. What do you feel that? I mean, as much as this is really kind of putting pressure or make it difficult for agencies to do kind of planning and really kind of develop longer strategies with clients, if you're on this kind of ninety day cycle, are, are there opportunities within here to actually differentiate or to create to kind of respond to this strategically and? change the way people are doing services or, you know, basically kind of work with the restriction in a way that helps companies actually be more competitive? Yeah, absolutely. I know of some agencies that are avoiding the dialogue with clients right now. That's the worst thing you could do. You've got to find out what's going on for them. Is there fear? Is there concern? What is the buzz at the client? You've got to know what it is because if they're going to maybe cut back, the sooner you find out that's even a possibility, the sooner you can accommodate on your end or do what you need to do. But be, uh, being all over your clients right now is what I'd recommend to any agency leaders and any agency folks out there. Also, I would say, look at the work you're doing for them. And rather than just have the client cut back, take the lead, which is my brand, right? <laughs> take the lead and say, in this kind of environment, these things that we're doing are essential. Let's do everything we can to save them. And these are the things on which we can cut back a bit. We can either stop doing it or we're like, because I, you know, nothing against clients, but I think agencies know or should know what's really the most effective. And so you've got to take the initiative and share if we need to cut back, here's what we'll cut back on and here's the degree and will it be enough and don't worry you know no client's going to say oh i wasn't even thinking of cutting back but now that you suggest it i mean that's just not right that's just never going to happen you know when we avoid conversations because we're afraid we'll be suggesting something all your clients are thinking about it now so i think getting in there and showing that you're there with them good times and bad giving ideas that are not just about PR and communications, but are about marketing and are about business. You know, what are the initiatives you're doing right now that will help them weather this storm? 
And then sometimes it's about, here's some things we should do in lieu of what we have planned, but do not wait. And your client's going to collaborate with you on it, right? It's not like they're going to have their own plan or they won't listen to yours. It's going to be collaborative. You start the dialogue. Critical. What are some strategies for actually doing that? Like how have you seen clients successfully sort of work with their clients in terms of really kind of having the conversations to understand what the driving forces are for them and their businesses right now, what their concerns are, worries, yeah. and then how to kind of present to clients, to their end clients, you know, reflecting back to them these things and then actually give them option strategies for dealing with their business situation in a smart kind of strategic way. Well, I think one part is having the metrics, having the knowledge, know what worked last quarter, know what worked Q1, know what really, really is working, acknowledge what's not working. You can't wait for the client to ask. You should always know that and you should always be opening with that, right? Discuss, you know, I would say know what's working, discuss that frequently, know what's not working and do you recommend holding it for a bit or do you recommend modifying it in light of the environment that we're in? And then I would be giving thought to if we are in this age of uncertainty or recession, you know, marketing agencies and ad agencies and PR agencies need to understand what kind of messaging and what kind of initiative will keep the dialogue with consumers going and what, you know, what those messages should be. Because I think in times of uncertainty, we look to brands that make us feel more confident, that make us feel better, that make us feel listened to. So more emphasis there. So, so it's truly understanding, and it's cliche. I wish there was a non-cliche way to ask it, but knowing what keeps your client up at night, knowing what's keeping their boss and their boss's boss up at night, depending on where your relationships are in the organization, and constantly bringing truly strategic ideas that will have an impact on the business. You know, I, I think clients expect that of agencies or they should. Yeah. How have you seen, you know, your clients, your, the agencies that you work with, how have they had to kind of innovate themselves, right? In terms of either the work that they do, how they do it, their organizational strategies, you know, mm -hmm. talent strategies, like what are, are there any kind of big shifts that you've seen that gone on over the last couple of years and kind of response to all this? Yeah. Well, not last couple of years, because remember last couple of years, it was, you know, glory days. <laughs> but I'd say in the last month or two, you know, I'm deaf. Well, A, there are either cutbacks, though I've seen I've seen more of that on the tech side. I've also seen cutbacks at very senior levels, very senior levels. So organizations, you know, that I, I'm seeing, um, they're they're looking for maybe some flatter structure and getting away a bit from those pyramids. I've definitely seen that. The other thing I'm seeing is certainly hiring freezes, definitely seeing some of that out there. And I haven't heard of it. I'm guessing there are also salary freezes, you know, that, that, that's just some of the things I'm seeing. The two other things I'm seeing are obviously the way the ER industry is an example, but I assume the marketing and ad side are understanding AI and embracing AI and helping their clients understand AI. So we're seeing a lot of that. The other thing I'm seeing is the confluence and I've seen, and, and this started happening, you know, back to the pandemic, 
but on the in the PR side, the the confluence of external communications and internal communications and understanding the interplay of both. And that means, you know, your organization really needs expertise in it, right? Because let's say you offer internal comms, you focus on internal comms, your competition does external comms, same client, but now your competition is offering both internal and external. That's not a good business strategy for you, right? So so you've got to be mindful of, as I look to the future, how can I bring both together through alliances, mergers, purchases, whatever, whatever the case may be. Because I think if you look at a time of tightening or a time of uncertainty, which I think might lead to tightening, I think that many clients might look for efficiencies of one agency that can do it all. I all, yeah. And I I was just going to say, I also think when we've had these turndowns before, quite often it creates a very good environment for agile flexible mid-sized firms because right or wrong clients at a certain level may believe and i'm not saying they're right they may believe that large agencies have a big price tag have a higher rate have a bigger have bigger administrative fees so i think they will be looking for the snappy flexible mid-sized agency maybe with some personnel who used to work at the large agencies i think that it might be a good environment for them yeah I've even noticed, I mean, I, I just find that there's kind of these cycles of in kind of services and kind of agency specifically of kind of this cycle of sort of slicing things up and specializing and creating niches and really kind of focusing your services to then swinging back to being kind of more full service and like finding end-to-end solutions. Like where are we? Or I guess, how do you see these cycles of kind of what agencies focus on and who's going to specialize and develop a niche versus who's going to be kind of generalist. What has been your kind of observations in that? Yeah. I'm sort of in between on that because, and the firm, you know, I, to be very honest, on a consulting basis, I'm working more with small boutique and medium and large, right? The large, they want to work with McKinsey and PCW and all those. Okay. That's right. You know, I think I can help them, but you know, what's the likelihood? (laughs) But I've always advised my agency clients know your niche and and you can have more than one, but have three or four max that you are truly expert in, that you know more than your clients, that you truly are experts and you've got the case studies, you've got the numbers, you've got raving clients who'll stand by that. Now, some clients will say to me, Ooh, I don't want to be too niched. I may miss some opportunities. I'm like, well, wait, don't call it your niche. Call it your, your expertise area because clients high, you know, they buy expertise, right? And if you're claiming that you are, you can do anything for everyone, unless you're a big firm in the PR space, you know, like a Ketchum, like an Edelman, like a Weber Shanwick, like a Fleischman, you know, we know all those names you're not going to win the day. Your your clients hire you for expertise, for your belief that you know the landscape better than they do. So, so you know, it's a matter of maybe what are the three or four practice areas in which we have expertise and we will emphasize, especially in our business development, and maybe what are the three or four industries that we've served best and know better than anyone else, and we can we can back that up. So it might mean looking at if we've done external communications, 
and we've dabbled in internal comms, how do we bring internal comms on? Again, is it through a, a series of hires? Is it through an alliance? Is it through a purchase? So I, I never say be everything to everyone, but I would say when you look at the growing importance of internal comms, and that that's not going to change during uncertain times, I would propose that will become more important, right? Because if your if your teams, be they ten or ten thousand, are are feeling the uncertainty, how are they focusing on achieving the enterprise's objectives? They're not. They're worried. You know, when is the next shoe going to drop? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I wish I could say Ken Jacobs, comma, author. I'm not, I, I'm not at that. We're doing baby steps, but we have been publishing over a few years leadership ebooks, and we try to keep it really tight, very focused, very practical actions you can take. So I really just sat down and thought about, you know, what am I telling my clients? What am I doing in my training? You know, what am I doing in my webinars about uncertainty? Because again, you know, for me, the era of uncertainty has has been robust in giving me ideas and giving me issues that I can address and help people with. So we just put together nine, I like to think, very practical steps on, you know, how to lead, how to evolve your leadership style. So your teams and, you know, it's your teams, it's your peers, could even be your boss, be certainly your clients through uncertainty, whatever the uncertainty is. Because I, I think there are truisms of leadership, leadership skills that we always want to bring and, and hone, but some rise to the top during uncertain times. So that's really what it's about. And and if I may, I think it would serve anyone who's leading client side, agency side, marketing, you know, it is it is sort of, I like to think industry agnostic, right? Because the truisms of of leading teams the truisms of having followers, you know, that again, that's, that's, I believe industry ag agnostic. So, so some have really, for me, risen to the top as far as what's, what's really important and where you want to focus and, and, you know, wherever this may lead, you know, maybe we avoid the recession, maybe Russia, Ukraine gets worse, maybe China, US gets worse, right? So there are so many things that could happen. And if you're leading from these strengths, you will do better. And and this is really important today. In addition to living in the era of uncertainty, I believe we're living in the evidences out there. That we're, you know, I'm not making it up. We're living in an era of employee disengagement. That is not good. That is not good. You've, you've got to do everything you can for your teams to be as engaged as possible to achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah. And, and what are some of the kind of the truisms that you're finding or that you cover in your book? Give us a couple of examples yeah, of what, yeah, what yeah. you talk about. Sure. So number one, and maybe the most important, is dialing up your emotional intelligence. You know, people talk about it a lot. What does that really mean? And so if ever there was a time to take the emotional intelligence assessment, now is it? And, you know, we talk a bit in, in the ebook about the definitions of emotional intelligence, and we could all kind of define it somewhat differently. But I think, you know, that ability to be aware and recognize emotions in self and in others, the ability to perceive your own and others' emotions, especially those you lead, 
to understand signals that emotions send. And, you know, and I don't, you know, one of the definitions is to manage others' emotions. To me, that's a slippery slope. I don't think we should try to manage others' emotions. Some say we should. I don't believe that. And I think it's enough work to manage your own. And if you're the leader of an organization or a department or a division of a group, you know, if you're bringing heightened emotional intelligence, that's going to have a big impact. Should, should I share my semi-humorous emotional intelligence story, my anecdote? Okay, so I had a client who was stuck, a coaching client, couldn't unstick them. Uh, I went to my mentor coach. All good coaches have coaches, I believe, and have mentor coaches. I went to my mentor. What can I do to unstick them? Have you done any emotional intelligence work? No, I'm not certified. He said, don't worry about being certified or not. Buy the book, take the assessment, let him take these, et cetera. And I said, oh, and his name is Bernie. And he said, which goes with his speaking style, right? You know, take the, take the assessment. So um, I said, actually, Bernie, it's been on my shelf for years. He goes, oh, well, what does that tell us? Who's been avoiding doing the work? So, okay. So I go and take the assessment. And, and I'm looking at the assessment and, and the work that I do, which is energy leadership and energy leadership index, it's much more in depth. It takes 25 minutes for the client to take and we do assessments and then we do phone work, right? This one I go in and it takes me five minutes to take. Oh, and by the way, and I have no relationship with the authors, but it, it's in, you know, emotional intelligence 2.0 by uh, Greaves. And I'm looking for Bradbury and Greaves, excuse me. So when you buy the book, you get a code in the back so you can take the assessment. So I go and take it five minutes and I'm not a cynical guy. You can probably sense I'm not a cynical guy, but I get very cynical about how fast it is. So, okay, I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. I take it. I hit submit it. I get my personalized report in two minutes. So now I'm doubling down on cynicism, right? And then I read the thing and I'm telling you, it was like they had, you know, a blueprint, not of my brain, but of my heart and my emotions. My God, there I was at one page and your scores come out in four quadrants, social awareness, relationship management, self-management, self-awareness and social awareness. I, I can join two by accident. And man, they had me figure it out and they saw you know, what my issues were, but the good news, and I'm very big on practical. I, I give me the idea behind it. Give me the strategy, but give me practical. And, uh, there were very practical steps that I could take. And I'm happy to say I have taken to increase my emotional intelligence. So I know that it works. You know, that's one of them. The other one I would say that's let's just for today, the two E's of leadership, emotional intelligence and empathy. And again, really understanding empathy. It's not, oh, I know what you're going through. Well, that like never say that to anyone. We never know what anyone else is going through. But really understanding there are three types of empathy and understanding what it takes to become a more empathetic leader. It really does take some work and it can have a profound impact on your relationships with your team. Again, your peers, your boss, your clients. So that's another one I really recommend 
people take and people consider. Shall I give you one more? I'm, I'm not going to give you all nine because I want people to download it and reload. I'm not going to give it all away, right? Right? We'll even with one more. You know, it, it's the hardest thing to do, but it's one of the most impactful. Just be learned to be good with uncertainty. And that's not baked into all of us. But learn to be good with uncertainty. It's almost beyond when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. It's when something happens that you don't expect. Take the punch and then say, knock yourself, you know, what do they pick yourself up, knock, pick yourself up, knock yourself off, duck yourself off and start all over again. That's either Hoagie Carmichael or Johnny Mercer or someone I should know better. But, but the ability to say, huh, didn't see that coming. And what do I want to do about that now? Do, because it is about action. Let's not overthink this thing. What do I want to do? I am the leader right now in this moment, not overthinking, taking action now. And I think when you can get into that kind of low, for lack of a better word, we, we expect the unexpected. And we build our resilience, a very important leadership trait for today. So expect the unanticipated, expect the unexpected, and learn how to do what we just described. It will serve you really well, no matter what the uncertainty is. You know, it becomes less about what the uncertainty is and more about how do I respond in a way that inspires my team. Yeah, excellent. Ken, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about uh, the work that you do, more about the book, what's the best way to get that information? Oh, well, either email me, K-E-N at dot com, or just go to my website, www, of course, com, And I think the offer of the book should be the first thing you see. And you just do a really fast form, like in seconds. And it will be on its way to you. And I hope people will download it. I hope they'll connect on LinkedIn. Give me some comments and thoughts about it. it would be lovely. And if you're looking for me on LinkedIn, if I may, there are many Ken Jacobs, as you can imagine. But I'm the one with, I think I'm the only one with initials after my name, like ECC, which is Professional Certified Coach, and a few other initials. Awesome. I'll make sure that the links and everything are on the show notes so people can get that right away. Oh, that would be lovely. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. It's always a pleasure. I thank you for the invite. And, you know, as I, if I may end by saying, as I say at the end of my podcast, just keep on taking the lead. Yeah, I like it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.